Two weeks ago, we talked about uh, uh, Paul. You remember the sermon about Paul, right? And he had that young preacher by the name of Timothy. Uh, and, and if you remember, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, this is the end of Paul's life. You, you know, the very, you're very familiar with the verse, I have fought the good fight, I have kept the faith, I have run the race, and, and so on and so forth. Paul's at the end of his life. And he's telling this young pastor named Timothy, I'm entrusting you with the ministry that God has planted in my life. He's handing over the ministry to Timothy. Paul's at the end of his journey. He says, I'm entrusting you with something. I mean, God has all given us a measure of things that he's entrusted us with. If you have children, believe it or not, those are God's kids he gave you. How many believe that? He's entrusted you as a parent or a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle to lead them and guide them and love them the way that we ought to as born-again believers. He's entrusted us with a lot. He's entrusted us with money. He's entrusted us with jobs. He's entrusted us with integrity. So entrust is a big word to me. And so that's where we were last week. This week, I'm going to go in a whole different direction, but I want you to keep that in mind as we go through the scriptures this morning, that God has entrusted me with his son's blood, the salvation that was given to me when I received Jesus Christ. He's entrusted me to do something with my salvation rather than just sit back and say, thank you for saving me. Now I'm just going to enjoy it. But he said, I've entrusted you now to spread it, spread Two, one, yes. All right. It worked. All right. Amen. Amen. Okay. Thank you for that really enthusiastic clap. Who's the last clapper all day? Okay. <laughs> last clapper. I was, a, I was a youth pastor. I know about this stuff. Let's go to the word. Amen. Second Timothy. So let's go back to Second Timothy. We're going to start at verse 3. Reading verses 1 through 2. Uh, remember, Paul, he's, he's entrusting this young pastor. But I understand this. But understand this. But understand this. That in the last days, there will come a time of difficulty. For people will be lovers of selfies. People will be lovers of what? Self. Lovers of money. Proud. Arrogant. Abusive. Disobedient to their parents. Ungrateful. Unholy. Basically, it's saying in the last days, it's going to get really bad. If you read this, it's going to be really bad. And he, it, what's interesting, he's talking a lot about the church. Uh, that in the church, people will become lovers of this and of that. And he's painting this picture. You know, I remember when I was a kid, we would go um, on these trips. And, and I remember 
One in particular, we were driving on Highway 17 in Canada above Lake Superior, and, and we would stop at the waterfalls. Now, as I got older, I didn't want to stop at the waterfalls anymore. I want to get to the fishing lake as soon as possible. But we would stop at the waterfalls, and it was interesting. We would actually get out of the car and look at the waterfall. Who remembers doing that? The first thing I would do, we would get out and look and stand and look at the waterfall. Now, what is the first thing people think of when they see a waterfall? I need to take a selfie. Right? How many know? The first thing most people think about is, I want me in the picture, and in the background will be this little tiny waterfall, but I want everyone to know that I'm here in the picture. I remember a time when you would go somewhere and you would just look at it without thinking about a selfie. Can I get an amen on this? All right, we all, we've all done it. I've done it before and I've been guilty. Uh, there's a word called narcissism. Not a very pretty word. It means vanity. Um, it means self-love. Today we call it Facebook, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's become normal to set up your, a page and you're your page is what? All about what? Yourself. I want everyone to see what I'm doing. And, and it's become kind of normal. And I have one, and we've all probably, a lot of us in this room have some. Some don't. You're free from that. But I, I'm sure at one point, even today, at one point or another, we've all thought about ourself. Now, I don't want you to get confused with, with taking care. It's good to take care of yourself. It's important to, to do those things. But when you're consumed by it, it's not a good thing. You know, like, oh, where do I like to sit? Where do I want to park? Uh, what songs do I want to hear? Um, I hope the pastor has something for me today. Or maybe, maybe you, you go through church and you're like, the songs weren't really my favorite songs. Or I don't feel like I was fed today. And that becomes kind of narcissistic, doesn't it? As Paul was saying, in the last days, people will be lovers of self. He paints it right there. Maybe what's really happening in our culture is look at me, listen to me. Everything is kind of built around that. And I've discovered in almost 25 years of ministry, one of the best things you can do for yourself, one of the very best things you can do is to get your mind off yourself, amen? And, and to, to get over yourself and to learn to stare at something that is more greater and more beautiful than you, and that is to gaze at God himself. That's one of the greatest things I've learned. That's why David said in Psalm 27, he said, God, this is the one thing I want. I just want to, what, dwell in your house, and I just want to stare at your beauty David realized that for him to get over himself, he needed to dwell and stare at the beauty of God. And I believe this is something that's been lost in our generation. That many times we feel like we have to be the center of every conversation. We have to have the answer to everyone's problem. We have to give a response to every. So it's become more about like our own input, what I can say, versus what God is saying in a situation. Amen? See, I believe that one of the secrets to, to life is to focus on God, to stare at God. Let me, let me show you a picture. If you would show this, this amazing hot rod. I got it on there. Look at that thing. That is a bad boy right there. 
How many in this room know a minivan is actually not that cool? That is a 2010 town and country candy apple red. Not really fast, but really good with kids, right? That's my van. That is my van. That's not... Chris, you have the same van. I'll just tell you right now. There's an actual phenomenon psychologists have talked about for years, and it's kind of something we probably all have experienced, but never really thought about it. It's called Bader-Meinhof phenomenon. Who's ever heard of the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon? Good, because <laughs> you're a lot smarter than I am. I had to look this up. But what the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon is, it is when you buy a car. Have you ever bought a car, and all of a sudden you start feeling like you see your car everywhere? I, when I bought my red town and country 2010 super souped cool minivan, not really cool, but when I bought that van, all of a sudden I started saying, I see my van everywhere. Every time I parked, I'm like, somebody else has a red van just like me. How I many know when you, it's a real thing that your mind starts to tell you when you focus on something a lot, you believe you see it a lot. So the question is, what are you focusing on? Because if you focus on yourself all the time, you're going to start seeing yourself all the time and seeing your faults and seeing everything that you're not doing right. But when you focus on, come on, on God and you magnify and you stare and you give God the glory, you begin to see him everywhere. It's a real phenomenon. And so we're not just talking about your vehicle that you said, I bought this car and now I see it feels, I feel like everybody has the same car. No, they don't have the same car. You just recognize it now because you're looking at yours all the time. But so when you, when you look at God's word all the time, guess what you'll start seeing? You'll start seeing people different. You'll start seeing praise different because now you're focusing on God and not on self. Can I get an amen? It's so true. Your brain has been trained to see certain things. God designed us in that way. When we focus on God, we see God. But the problem is a lot of times people aren't focusing on God except for maybe once or twice a week. And they're focusing on other things. So they're, they're kind of, they're, they're seeing those things more than God. Think about the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer. Why do we say, thy will be done on earth? Where? On earth as it is in on earth as it is in heaven. The question is, do you want that? Thy will be done on earth right here in Michigan, Ohio, wherever you live, Pennsylvania. Uh, as it is in heaven. Let me describe to you what heaven will be like. Revelation chapter 5. This is a snapshot from heaven. Verses 11 through 14. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads and myriads and thousands and thousands. Begin to focus on this, picture this. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain. To receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. It sounds a lot different. Paul said in the last days, people will what, be lovers of 
self and all these proud, arrogant. This is the opposite. We're saying to him who sits on the throne, amen? To him, when we worship God, I pray this morning as you worshiped, not every song was about you. I mean, a lot of the things, t- times we worship, it's about God. You're glorious. You're worthy. You're, you're wonderful, amen? And worship becomes different. And it continues on and says in verse 13, and I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea. That means every living creature and all of them saying, hallelujah, this is in heaven. The one who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. This is happening right now, church. And the four living creatures said, amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. What's going on in this picture of heaven that I've shown you? Are, are people going up to God and, and saying, what about me, God? Look at me. You know, God, come on. Let's do this. Me and you, God, right now. Okay, more me, less of you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Do it again. Have you ever taken a selfie and you're like, that wasn't good enough. Let me fix a few things. I've done it. No, they're not in heaven saying, what about me? Look at me. No, everyone is looking at him. When we go to heaven, it's gonna be, we're going to be looking at him. And they're all there for one reason. What they want to do is, Worship the Lamb. What would it look like if as a body of Christ, when we begin to worship as a body of Christ, when we begin to sing, what does it look like and sound like if everyone in the building, all of a sudden we all start worshiping him at the same time? Amen? What would that sound like in this house? Come on, somebody. What if we all begin to lift up a praise? How many know all of a sudden the enemy starts fleeing and running away? Because he can't be around that kind of atmosphere when we begin to say, it's not about me, not about what I want, not that I hear the song I liked, or is church too long, or is this, it's not about me, God, it's about you. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Jesus, you are so worthy. You deserve all the attention. You deserve all the honor, all of it. And see, what happens is no longer are people, as we read, they're not on selfie mode anymore, right? Because now they see someone who is more worthy than themselves. And I want to look at God in all of his glory. And that is exactly what we're trying to teach you in this church. We're not trying to fill you with a bunch of hype. We're never trying to fill you with like, oh, man, oh, I just feel like I could, you know, uh, do everything on my own. We want you to understand that we want you to learn how to feed yourself. We want you to learn how to come into this table that God has prepared and say, Lord, I'm learning how to feed myself. I don't have to always have the pastor feed me once a week. We want you to learn that on Monday you can feed yourself. Amen. And you can get, you can be home or somewhere and you can enter into his presence wherever you go. How many of God is with us wherever we go? Amen. That is what we want you to learn to do. It's my heart that as a church, that we're not just meeting and eating on Sunday mornings, that we are meeting and gathering with Jesus all week long. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We need to think about God more because, why? he's perfect. And how many know we think about ourselves far too often? And we are far, far from perfect. We burn soup. 
We drive bad. We make mistakes. We get angry. We say things we shouldn't. But we focus on ourselves. How about we just begin to focus on God more? Amen? And focus on ourselves less. I encourage you, even on social media, start using that as a platform to focus on God. God is doing amazing things right now on the earth. Amen? He's doing amazing things in America. People getting saved that people never thought would be saved. God's doing great things. God, you're great. And you are for us. Even if our past wasn't good, you have great things prepared. So we want to learn as a church to take our eyes off ourselves and to look at God. Look at God. You know, before I ever get on this stage, and I did it today, before I ever get on the stage, I asked God, I said, God, would you please help me? Help me. Because in myself, I can't do this. I know our worship team. God, would you help them in their self? They cannot lead us into worship. They can, they can put on a concert. We could come and be entertained. But how many know it's not, that's not what they're here and that's not what we're here for, amen? We can't do it in ourselves. I say, God, I need you. And whatever you do in your job or in your marriage or whatever as a parent, you can't, God, I, I, I need you to lead me. So I look to you for answers and for help. And I know most of you know this is true. And I love what it says in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 says this. So if there is any encouragement in Christ. How many know there is encouragement in Christ? Oh, any comfort of love. Any participation in the spirit. Any affection and sympathy. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, church, having the same love, being in full accord and in one mind, right? So that is, we are corporately worshiping God together. It's not just a bunch of individual people coming and doing their own thing. Together, we are individually in one heart, one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. See, God has entrusted us with a lot. And so now he's asking us to, to take the, 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 the reflection or deflect it off of us and put it onto him. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. So how many know that is counterculture to what a lot of things we hear in the world? Think of others before yourself, right? Let somebody else go in line in front of you. Uh, uh, let somebody else have, have that first thing. Uh, uh, don't, don't feel bad if you don't always get what you want, right? It's putting others before you. This is what Jesus showed us. And, and this is a very significant scripture. He's saying, when you gather as a body, it is more important to consider others first before yourself as a body of Christ. Matter of fact, don't do anything based on selfish ambition. Don't do anything. Don't, don't come into his presence on selfie mode. Don't, don't enter into the praise and worship on selfie mode, saying, well, I hope it's this long, or I hope they do this or that, God, or I want you to do this. Come into his praise, not on selfie mode, but on, Lord, it's about you. I humble myself. I magnify you, God. And I, wanted, I, I know some of you know this, but I'm teaching an elementary principle, but sometimes we need to be reminded. When we begin worship, the first thing that should come out of your mouth is, glory to you, Father. 
And sometimes I think we get caught in the zone of watching, amen? We get caught watching like deer in the headlights and we're, we're thinking about all these things going on in our world. But I want to train you something. If you just begin worshiping by saying, glory to you, God. Glory to the Father. And you begin to magnify the Lord your God. How many know all of a sudden those things that you've carried and worried about begin to fall off? Because now you're focusing on the one who has it all under his control. Amen? How I many know if, 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 if Jesus really is our role model and he should be, then we should give him all the praise and all the glory. Amen? Amen. All right. You know, I came to an agreement with God many, many years ago. And I agreed with God because he already told me this. I said, God, I'm in agreement with you that if I try to control my life myself and do things that I, the way I want to do and the way that I deem things should be done. I came in agreement with God. Finally, he was waiting on me that I will lead myself to my own self-destruction. Amen. How many of you, if you constantly make your own decisions based on what you think is right, not according to God's word, but just you kind of go with what you, how you think life should go, I came into agreement, and I said, God, you are right. If I try to do this thing without you, I'm going to lead myself into destruction. And that's why in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. He said, basically, God, kill me. Put an end to me the way I used to be and renew. I want to be born again. Amen. How many in this room are born again? Crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, that selfish person, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is a picture of baptism. This is a picture of salvation. I I don't want Pete to be in charge anymore. Put your own name right there, and you should say, I don't want to be in charge anymore, right? I, Pete Freeman thinks about himself too much. Pete Freeman does whatever he feels like doing, amen? But how many know when we begin to die to ourselves and say, God, what do you want to do in my life? What do you want me to say? Where do you want me to go? And I stop listening to all the other voices and I say, God, would you lead me? And how many know when you are led by the Spirit, it doesn't always mean you're going to have a huge following? Because Jesus, when he had the healing lines, when he had the free meals, the crowds are huge, but when he began to say, take up your cross and follow me, right? You have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. All of a sudden, the crowds got smaller. People didn't like the message of dying to self and all of a sudden living for Christ. But that's the model that he set for us. Because we need the old spirit to die, the, the, the old self that is in us, that spirit to die, so that the spirit of God that is in us can dwell, amen? And how many know it needs to function through us? The spirit of God that is in you needs to dwell in you, and it does if you're born again, but you need to also allow it to function through you. And many times our self blocks that. And Christ, you know, we know, and I can tell you, you know this answer. If, if Christ... Physically, the Spirit of God is in this room. Don't get me wrong. But if he, flesh, he walked in, 100% God, 100% man, walked through those doors right now, right now, opened up those doors wide. First of all, we would all be on our face. (laughs) But if this happened, I guarantee you, he would not be thinking about himself. He would not walk in and be like, I'm here. Communion, let's go. 
No, if, if Jesus in the flesh walked into this room, he would walk up to you, to you and say, what are your needs? What can I do for you? He would, he would, he would even probably be willing to wash your feet. And how many know that's the one that we serve? We, we, we worship the creator of everything. And what an opportunity that we have to come together as a body of Christ, amen, and to be fed and to hear the word of God. We need Christ to be the center of it all. There's a passage in Hebrews. I'm thirsty, hold on. There's a passage in Hebrews. Does anybody think this looks weird? It does. feels weird, too. You know, it's kind of weird to see a grown man drinking out of a bottle. It might be kind of weird to see grown Christians still feeding off a bottle. Feed me. Every Sunday, feed me. We need to learn how to get off the bottle. But I think the problem is a lot of people in their life once a week come in and it's about myself. Feed me the word. I need that. Would you feed me the word? And this is kind of, it kind of looks weird to God, doesn't it? He's like, you've been saved for 20 years. You should be the teacher. If you've been saved a long time, I got news for you. You should be teaching the word of God, not just having somebody teach you every Sunday. My job as a shepherd is to guide and to lead and to instruct and to inform and to watch out for wolves. I, I, I'm watching from a distance if there's anything coming at us as a body. But, but we need to learn to feed ourselves. Amen? Hey, Heather, could you come up here for a second? You want a sip of this? It's really good. But this looks weird, doesn't it? Well, I'll show you something that might look even weirder is baby food. I asked my wife, would you sit over here? If she would just feed me, I need to be fed. And I'm really hungry for some green beans. So I would, would you feed me some green beans, babe? I'm hungry. I had a hard week. I need someone to feed me. I can't do it on my own. And I'm a grown man. Will you feed me? Mm. Oh, oh, man. <laughs> this is worse than I thought. It's smoky bad. Would you go over to the bananas, please? But I, 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 I could learn to feed myself. I really could, but I don't want to. I'm, I'm a little too lazy. It's hard to read the Bible. It's just, oh, don't ask me to pray. Don't ask me to grow. Memorize scripture. I'll, I'll go ahead and take a bite. Uh, that's better. Wow, it's bad, though. I need to wash it down. Where's that bottle? Oh. Better. Oh. I'll take one more hit of that banana. Feed me. Feed me. Mmm. All right, that's good. Thank you, Heather. Wow. That's bad. You know, thank you. Thank you so much. You can take this. Anybody doesn't eat soup. If you don't eat soup, you can eat this, right? If you're on a really, that smells bad too. It smells like a diaper. Oh man. And it looks like a diaper. Oh my goodness. Get that off here. Thank you, babe. 
Well, how many know? Yeah, you can take this too. <laughs> I'm done drinking out of a bottle. How many, know, how many of you know as a grown man, I should not be having somebody feed me? I should not be drinking out of a bottle. Thing is, I could survive on that baby food. If I ate a jar, it tastes terrible. Poor baby. I feel bad for babies. All right now, I feel really bad for babies. And not, hardly anything comes out of that bottle. It's a lot of work. But how many know, and I, I hope that you don't just see like, oh, that was good. I really hope you understand the whole concept here is that it's sad. It is truly sad that we have been given so much that many times we don't grow past the point of having people always have to feed us. I need everyone to pick me up. I always need everyone. How many know sometimes there comes a point in our walk with Christ, he's like, I need you to think about others. I, I, you should be teaching the word, amen? You should know by now how to worship God in spirit and in truth. But yet many times we are still doing the elementary things. Feed me, God. Feed me. I had a heart. Feed me. And we kind of look silly sometimes drinking like a spiritual bottle. When God said, hallelujah, I have in front of me a longhorn steak. Now I'm making you jealous. You didn't really like that. You probably were like, I don't want that baby food, but I'm going to eat a big piece of steak in front of you this morning. Hallelujah. Anybody can have a bite, $10 right now. I'm just playing with you. It is so much better to eat this. How many agree? Right here. Now, that baby food, I could survive on that, but I would not be very strong as a 195-pound, six-foot man. I would not be strong as I should be eating one jar of nasty green beans and bananas. Now, I could survive, right? I could probably survive, but I wouldn't be healthy. I wouldn't have much strength. I, uh, it wouldn't be very exciting to eat every meal, a little bit of baby food in a bottle. So... If I'm trying to survive on baby food, my life isn't as healthy as it should be. But when I start finding out that there's meat, come on, and there's protein, this is going to be good, good, good. I have that green bean flavor in my mouth. My palate is all messed up. And that is absolutely delicious. I am very sorry, maybe. But anybody here not like steak, we'll have an altar call for you. I'm sorry. Broccoli is so much better. How many know when we dive into God's word, we start to find the truths and we learn to feed ourselves spiritually. Come on, amen. When we come in the house of God as a body of believers and we come together with purpose, with in one accord, as he said in the scriptures, Paul said, if we come together in one accord, Paul's like, I don't have to, I don't want to come back every five years or every year and have to kind of teach you how to feed yourself again. Paul's like, I'm not going to be around forever. He's like, you need to learn to feed yourself so that when persecution comes, when trials come, when I'm not around, you can feed yourself. Amen. As a pastor, as shepherds, as leaders, we will always, we will prepare the food. Somebody prepared this steak, amen? I didn't have to cook it. It just came in a nice box. I paid, I got it, and now I get to eat it. Praise God. Somebody took the time to prepare it. As, as a church, the Holy Spirit is preparing the food for us. I am the waiter. I will deliver the food. But now I want you to learn to eat it on your own. 
And I think if we don't do that, if we stay on the baby stuff, if you've been a believer for a long time, you need to look at your life and say, am I still just kind of getting by in just a little bit? Do I have this selfie mentality? See, God has entrusted, I got to get another bite. I, I can't just not eat potato. Yeah, that's good. I'm, that's good. Rick, am I making you hungry? I have one more bite. That is so much better than baby food. God's word and knowing God's word is so much better than just going by with just a little bit. Amen? For those in this room, and I know most of you probably can agree, when you are in God's word every day, how many can say when you come into God's house, it is just so much better? You don't come in here thinking like, feed me. You're like, I'm actually kind of full. Now it's just going to be overflow. It's like dessert. I mean, how many know dessert? The reason why dessert has to be so good is because you're usually really full, right? Dessert has to be really good because I'm so full. There's no way, wait, I'll eat that cheesecake. Yeah, actually I will. That looks really good. I'll eat that. So when we come into God's house, you might already been through all week. You're like, I'm full, Pastor. I've, I've been eating God's word all week. It's been good. It's been, I'm feeling healthy, but I'm ready for some dessert. Amen? And then we have the overflow. The Spirit of God begins to move in this house. Amen. You probably never thought you'd see the pastor drink out of a bottle, did you? Does that look weird? It should look weird. I think it looks weird to God that if we've been saved for 20 years and we still don't know how to, forgive me if I'm stepping on a toe, but if you still don't know how to pray. Amen? Can I get an amen from a bunch of Pentecostal believers? It is really weird to me if someone's 20, been saved for 20 years and they're like, I don't know what John 10.10 says. I don't know what Matthew 6.33 says. I don't know what Isaiah 51.10 says. Or whatever scripture God, we need to get God's word in our heart. Amen? Meditate on it. Memorize it. Learn it. Love it. Hallelujah. Okay. Amen. I really want more steak, so I'm going to wrap this up so I can finish. And I'll wash it down with some smoky potato soup. Paul says this in Hebrews. I, I will wrap this up. I promise we're going to have communion. That's not lunch, but it's, it's better. Hebrews chapter 5. For through by this time you ought to be teachers. This is what I was just saying. You should be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. He's like, are, he's like I've, uh, we've already been through this. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a what? A babe. Paul said it, not me. Some of you should be teachers. You've been given a lot. You've been gathering for a while now. You've been gathering, and, and, and now you gather all the time, but you still say, feed me. Feed me. And like I said, this is not what God wants. Verse 14, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is those who by reason of use, by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. How many are ready for some just solid food? Ah, God, I want to be able to discern the difference between good and evil. I pray that during the week that the Holy Spirit that is in you, you, you allow it to flow through you so that when something you're faced with, 
the, the spirit inside of you convicts you and guides you and leads you. And you don't have to tell 10 people. You, don't, you can just say, God, tell me. Amen? Uh, let me hear from you, God. What do you have to say about this first? Before I ask 15 people on Facebook, let me go to first God. And you'll give me the discernment. As long as I'm feeding on this and not feeding on the baby stuff. Let's stand. I want you to stand for a moment before we receive communion to stretch. And I want to pray over you corporately. And I hope you caught my heart this morning. It's not to put anyone down. It's to try to elevate us up as a body of Christ. Amen. I many times will catch myself doing something silly. And, and, or having a bad attitude. Or just, just kind of just letting other people know how bad I feel. Right? How many ever been that before? Woe is me. Wah! It's like that baby with a bottle. Wah! Nobody cares. God cares. And, and if, if, if I keep eating baby food all my life, if that's all I eat, I will never be as healthy as God wants me to be. But when I learn to, to eat like the word of God and I consume that, all of a sudden I have this strength that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? I gotta die to self. So there's times in my life I have to say, self? I call myself Pete. That's weird. It's a third-person thing, right? But hey, well, I don't really, but sometimes I'm like, hey, you, that guy in the mirror, you got to quit doing this. You got to stop acting that way. And you know what I see when I look at, when, and I see the reflection of myself in the mirror? I see somebody who's far from perfect, somebody who has issues, but when I begin to focus on God... And I said, God, through you, you can help me change. God, through you, you can give me answers to these problems. God, through you. See, I, I take the focus off myself, and I put the focus on God. I pray today as we leave this place, before we leave, we receive communion, God, that we would all ask ourselves, am I living enough in the word? Am I, am I partaking from this supper that's been prepared before me every day? God sends you a text message every day if you didn't know that. It's in the Bible. The Bible is full of text, great text messages, like really cool stuff you can post. And he's like, every day I want to fill you with my word. I want to remind you that I, that I sent my son for you even though in the midst of the myriads and the myriads and the thousands and thousands and thousands of angels that are worshiping right now, he still says, I know you and I know everything about you. I know it hurts. I know what you're going through. Isn't that amazing to know that, that God right now is being worshiped throughout the universe? Every creature, everything is worshiping the creator, but yet he has a heart for your deepest need. That should just kind of rock you in your shoes a little bit to say, wow, something that great, something that amazing loves me so much in all of my fault. Wow, God, I want to be a part of this journey. I want to know you more. Lord, I pray now that all of us this week would eat more of the word of God. God, you've entrusted us with this
this gift of salvation. You've entrusted us by sending your one and only child to die a gruesome death. Lord, I pray that we would do our part to know you more, to eat the meat and potatoes, and to say, Lord, I'm ready to leave those elementary things and, and get my mind off myself and, and turn my attention and my focus to you, God. There's that old song we used to sing, and the things of this world will grow strangely dim. It's amazing how when we get our eyes on God, the things of this world, they do grow strangely dim, don't they? It's perspective. Like that minivan illustration, the more I focus on who God is and what he's done for me, I will begin to see God more in people. I'll begin to see God more in things. A heart of prayer, a heart of purpose. Father, I pray for every person that is in this house today. Lord, corporately, we are the body of Christ. We are only as strong as the person next to us. Lord, I pray that we would lift one another up. We would encourage one another. We would pray. Give us great patience. Give us love. Give us compassion. Fill our hearts, Lord God, with patience, Lord, that we will understand that we are, no one in this room is even close to being perfect, but together we serve the one who is perfect. And for the one who's going through the hardest trial right now, God, that we will stand beside that person and say, I'm here for you. God loves you. God loves me and he loves you too. Lord, I pray that we would see this. Use us now. Now as we prepare our hearts for communion, what a joy it is to be able to partake in the Lord's Supper together. What an amazing moment we have right now, God. You have prepared the table with your son. And I pray right now, if there's anyone in this room right now, you say, Lord, as, as Willis quoted the scripture, Psalm 5110, you said it, created me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me. David's like, David, David, right, David, he's awesome. I mean, David had some major faults. He had some major fails, but he never stopped saying, create, create, create. Maybe today you say, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Forgive me. Cleanse me. No one in this room is worthy of communion. But because of what Jesus did, he made it so that we could all partake. Amen? We don't have to wait to go once a year. In the Old Testament, once a year, they would go. They would sacrifice. They would send somebody in to be in God's presence. But we know when Jesus died on the cross, what the veil was torn. And now Jesus said, I am the lamb. You can partake of me anytime that you want. And that is what we are doing right now. We are partaking of the Lord's Supper, his body, his flesh, his blood. He said, it is available for you at any moment, at any time. Now is the time to say, God, thank you for sending me your son who died for me. I thank you, God. So as we do this, let's pray just for a moment. I'm going to invite you just to pray right now and thank the Lord. We thank you. your prayer, ask him for to cleanse you, to forgive.